The First Tee with Robbie Greenfield and Zane Scotland. Brought to you by the DP World Tour, the race to Dubai. Hello one and all, welcome along to the First Tee podcast with the DP World Tour, hosted by myself, Robbie Greenfield and Zane Scotland. Coming up on this episode, we're going to be treated to some great insight into what life is really like for an aspiring professional golfer in his rookie season on the DP World Tour. Todd Clements, a former pupil of our very own Mr. Scotland, is already in the winner's circle after shooting a final round 63 to win the Czech Masters back in late August. We'll delve into that life-changing win and we'll find out what it's really like to step up from the lower rungs of pro golf to mix it with some of the best players on the planet. Welcome then to this, the eighth episode of the First Tee Podcast. It's great to have you with us and we're excited to chat to yet another DP World Tour winner. Zane is back in the UK to recharge the batteries before he heads back to join us out here for the DP World Tour Championship next week. He's on the line and our special guest, Todd Clements, he's joining us from his hotel room in South Africa, where this week he's competing in the Ned Bank Golf Challenge and he's been very kind enough to join us for a little chat on the First Tee Podcast as well. So let's get straight into it. Todd, it's great to have you with us and congratulations, first and foremost, on a great year. I want to ask if someone had told you at the start of the year that you would find yourself in South Africa on the penultimate week of the season, playing for a place in the season-ending DP World Tour Championship and a win under your belt, would that have matched your expectations or surpassed them? A bit of both, really. I earmarked the Nedbank as like a little goal to, to try and accomplish. Like, I always thought, you know... It was a big thing. Obviously, people say reach for the stars, but I think to live in a realistic world, you don't. I wasn't going to get in the biggest tournaments when I first started out, so I thought you're a bit behind the eight ball there. So I thought if I had my Ned Bank as a realistic target, I think I'd be a successful season. And obviously, to win two months ago now or something that I didn't expect I've got to ask Zane you've known Todd for a long time you've coached Todd you've seen him progress in his golfing career were you surprised he won in his first season on the DP World Tour yeah I've known Todd for quite a few years now I, you know I know him so for so long that when he used to be an Arsenal supporter that's how long I've known Todd Clement for he's now everyone, so everyone knows he's a West, now West Ham a staunch West Ham oh he's gone authentic has he <laughs> yeah I mean it's been really good to see his journey from amateur playing on the on the MENA golf tour 2017 was it Todd around that time uh, be before, before then no, 15 I reckon 15, well, put, no. it, put it this way Robbie that my first ever MENA tour event I had the pleasure of playing with Mr Scotland himself I was there like really young, naive amateur. First week in September at the Bike Creek, completely naive to it all. So I'm warming up, it's 40 odd degrees, humidity's yeah. incredibly high. I'm exhausted pretty much before I go out. I'm so nervous. Yeah, I reckon I got 15 minutes before the tea time. I'm like, I know I'm playing with Zane and I'm like, he's still not here. I mean, sharing a buggy with him, I'm like, this is getting a bit close now. And then like as he comes down, he's like, visor on so relaxed he's like 12 minutes to go he's like oh i'll meet you up there mate you know eight minutes warm up 65 i think it was (laughs) it was so long ago i wasn't even gray then (laughs) well first of all who outscored who on that first round i think zane lapped me i think he could have gone around (laughs) twice and still beat me (laughs) yeah i feel these days it's all flipped on its head now but yeah i mean it's yeah it's been a brilliant journey to kind of watch it all unfold really and then fast forward to to this year yeah Todd getting his card last year was like it was a big step in the right direction um 
he's been coming for a while you know you know he's give him a big head because he's sat here but he does all the right things for like an up-and-coming player coming through it's easy to work hard uh, in golf i think that's probably the easiest part of professional golf is to do that then you've got the next part of like have you got the talent side of it and you've got the support but you know just giving enough energy and respect to each part of the game the mental side travel looking after your body perhaps with the right people you know having having a good attitude all those things you know todd's done for 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 a number of years and and people say to me oh do you reckon todd's gonna make it and i'll always say that you know he's not all the things you should do and uh when you got your card last year it was almost vindicating for me i thought if 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 he doesn't if he can't make it on tour i don't know what the formula is and and it was nice to see him just get there and then this year um it's one of those things and it? it's a massive thing to win especially to win for the first time on any, at any level let alone you know a, bit of a, world, a world stage like the dp world tour and i think up to that point todd you probably say that it looked like you know you're playing quite well but your your results weren't necessarily showing the the, the golf that you were putting in but it was only a matter of time and then obviously then you you went to the czech masters and and you know returned it on and you know we watched watched the whole of the back nine I went and sat in the clubhouse at where I coached at Leverhead and I was just just sitting there you know saw that got off that flying start in the last round and I thought right I just gotta go and take my afternoon here and just get a coffee sit at the table and just watch it all and it was some fantastic golf and, and I'm sure you've had really good feedback from it as well but he just didn't play any golf that he can't do it was just good golf it was just good like hitting good shots you know, Todd swings it well putts well under pressure manages himself well and it was like being able to do all those things when you really need it it was nothing out of the norm it wasn't a moment I thought wow where's he pulled that out from but he just does all those things and put it all together and it was and it was amazing to see brilliant to see, see him win and hopefully that's going to be the first of many let's talk about that Todd before we get on to the kind of year in general the win was extraordinary as Zane mentioned 63 in the final round I know you described it at the time as the round of your life it was a flawless round of golf under pressure what are your recollections of that day and I guess when you you teed off you probably thought I've got a puncher's chance of, of getting into contention here but then as it evolved and as you realised that you weren't, weren't just in contention, you were actually leading the tournament, how did you then manage your nerves and emotions towards the final kind of couple of closing holes? Yeah, it's a bit surreal, really. I obviously played on Saturday and um, I played with Ludwig Aberg, so, you know, there was a bit of speculation about him. And played great. I played 10 holes and I, I hit it out of bounds on 11, out of really nowhere, to be honest. And I, I had a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but, yeah, you know, I finished and I was said to my caddy, like, as we finished, I was like, I left a few out there today, really. I said, I'm a bit further back than we we wanted to be, but I've got a real, I've got to just get stuck in tomorrow. And it, it was a really strange day because I a little bit planned it out in my mind before I went out. I was like, we need a bit of a fast start. Par five first, second's a wedge, fourth short hole. And the way I looked at it, I was like 18 holes. And if you, if you make a birdie, you just get one step nearer. I never thought of it like I'm nine under, seven under. That would never actually even come into my mind. Not once. It was like, okay, I've caught up one, I've caught up two, I've caught up three, I've caught up four. And it was just playing out like I like, thought about it and I was like, this is going a bit too well, really. But I really only noticed, and my caddy, you know, I really just started with him literally the week before in Northern Ireland and he was brilliant. You know, 16 wins on the tour now, one being the Masters of the Lathabelle. So he's got some real big experience behind him. And it, one of those days, everything just went to plan in, in my game. But funny things you look at like it was drizzling and I put my umbrella up and he just said like, we'll keep it up all day so you can just not look at the scoreboard so I didn't look at the scoreboard all day and every time I walked past it I just put my umbrella to it so I couldn't physically see it 
he was like coach me around but he's like you know even remind me like don't look because and then when he said that on 13 i was like i must be doing quite well here and then yeah did you know what you were to part kind of, on 13 did you know you were i think so you were probably six or seven under by then for the round yeah i think i was eight under after 12 or something oh, crazy wow. i mean i didn't even think about it. and then you know people ask me afterwards you can think about 59 and like i said to you i just thought about it as like it's a birdie it's like okay one one hole next hole birdie and i was like i didn't think about it as like as around the golf it was literally just like now this hole how do i make a birdie and that was literally it and i watched it back a few times and just like to notice and give myself thoughts of how to play for hopefully the rest of my life but i really thought like you can see this switch on like 15 and that's the moment i really noticed i was like i could win it and then like i look at my shot on 16 a bit tentative 17 my second shot tentative and like even though i'm part on the last a bit tentative and oh yeah but compared to like i look at like 13 and 14 and i played you know i didn't have really a care in the world i, I always knew like well it's out of my control really because you know, and I know Matt Wallace, who was obviously was tired of the lead, and there was I think it was Sammy Valamaki or Nikolai Hogard, and you know two brilliant players. And I was like, well, they could make four birdies in a row, no problem. Brilliant players. So I thought, well, I'm only going to just do my best and keep knocking off the holes, keep knocking off the birdies, give myself a chance. And yeah, yeah, obviously came through. When you stood on the range, Todd, we were watching pictures of you because uh, I, I've, I've once, once I knew you were in contention, I, that was it. I was like Zane, I was locked in on my sofa <laughs> for the afternoon and it was interesting just seeing you watch the closing holes and I, I must have been a, a nerve-wracking watch for you because there's nothing you can do about it. If a guy comes up and just and comes up with the goods then you just got to say well played at the end of the day but was it a weird sensation when it sunk in that You'd won the tournament. Yeah, it was just pure elation, really. Like, I was on the range for, well, nearly, I think it was close to an hour, but just, you know, chatting away. And, and yeah, I mean, I expected Matt to make birdie at the last, really. You know, in time and time again, he's shown the world that he can do that and perform under the highest of pressure. But pure elation and disbelief, really. He thought, like, a young, young boy from Essex at 14 getting rejected from his county team to a DP World you know winner it was more like elation and thoughts of like every person that's contributed to where I am emotions that you can't really describe how did you digest it and redraw your goals or or kind of reevaluate where you were headed based on the fact that maybe you know that win changed things for you a little bit yeah I mean it was completely life-changing in terms of in my career I get two-year exemption on tour you know in, in a fantastic category so I can play the biggest tournaments number of years and play against the best players in the world um and your goalposts just like instantly change just how, as i am as a personal always feeling and striving to be the best i can be saying kind words mean a lot to me my motto is like if i give it everything and it's quite a morbid thing really but i can lay on my deathbeds and being like well I, there's nothing more i could have tried and that's just how i like i, I you know i try to do everything i can to my best ability in all forms and yeah, it, you got my goalpost just instantly changed. I'm like, well, you know, now I'm pushing for a race to Dubai. Um, I need a big week here in South Africa to get that through. But and it just gives you the belief that well, actually I can do this. And um, in 2025, I think even if I was in one conversation for the Ryder Cup, that would be kind of a, something that I'm striving to do and, and trying to get a team around me that can push me and elevate me to, to do that. After watching the most recent Ryder Cup, I'm sure it's always been a bit of a motivation, but 
Is that being kind of magnified by watching the scenes we saw a few weeks ago? I mean, definitely. I, I look at that and I watch that. You know, I'm a complete golf nut, really. Always thinking about it. And uh, yeah, it just highly motivates me. And, I've, you know, there's a few members of my team that have been parts of Ryder Cups and all they keep going on about is the greatest sporting event that, you know, even been to, watched, been a part of. And yeah, something that me and my dad always kind of choke around like he's quite a taskmaster myself he's like um the Ryder Cup's what we aim for so we've got to just make it happen maybe when we sat and met your dad for the first time back in the day you know helping you move your yeah game. yeah and he came you know your dad wanted to come down and meet me and all that sort of stuff and I kind of meet in person and you know he's quite, and he's quite a strong character right you know he's he takes no nonsense I remember walking around Rob you appreciate this we were walking around um walking around the the, the Emirates uh, when you played played alongside Darren Clark as an amateur in the Dubai Desert Classic, and uh, you know, big moment in amateur. There's no, there's no, there's, there's pressure for you personally, but you know, there's no real expectation to you know to go win the event that sort of stuff. But just walk it, you know, it was the first time I kind of walked the course of your dad, uh, kind of during a tournament, and you know, he's just living every shot. Like you know, if you hit a good shot, he was like playing it down, like yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> and then if you get a bad shot, he, I was thinking, I hope Todd doesn't look across now because he's not going to be happy with this. You know, he's just, he's he's so on it. But, you know, you, but you're you're close to him, right? And, you know, you take the pieces from him that have, have served you pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's um, been quite a journey. Like me and my dad clash in many, many ways. But yeah, with myself, he's just been like, well, it's the next step. You know, it's not, it those, the best players. And it's quite a true thing. You know, I'm, I'm here watching like Justin Thomas, Mac Homer, I, practice in front of me today and like you know that you can just see their aura there you know the best players they're gonna they're here to perform and look at Rory he's been out there I mean I'm a number of top tens and that's just how my dad views it he's like well to be the best you've just got to keep being the best <laughs> quite a simple formula really and doesn't accept mediocrity really what did he say to you when you won in, in Czech Republic Todd he just went, oh, that's the first. Like, you know, <laughs> nice. That, you know, that's just a part of that literally is it. He's like, that's the first one. How do we get the next one? And how do we get to the Ryder Cup? Like that, that he's like, that's kind of how he would be. He just said, that's part of part of the parcel, really. If you don't do that, you aren't gonna get there. Brilliant. That's just I literally that. it. I was like, Yeah. Yeah. So it's um <laughs> but yeah, it's been a whirlwind of journey and crazy. You're a golf nut. You're obsessed with the game. When you break it down, Todd, and you look at your journey to this point, what were the bits that you took big strides forward in? At the young age that you are now as a DP World Tour winner, did you make a big leap forward with your ball striking? Was it, I mean, you mentioned the mental game there on the back nine, tr- trying to block out distractions and that kind of thing. Did you change anything or has it always just been a smooth progression forward? Yeah, there's been a few moments in my well, it feels like it feels like a long career, but I'm sure to me it's short. But yeah, I think there's been moments and times where I'm like, I look back and like, if that didn't happen, would I be sat here today? Well, one, I said to you that I was 14 years old and a complete golf nut, and my county team rejected me. And again, my dad said to me, "Well, you got a choice here. You you either stop playing, you know, soul can be a loser, or you make it happen." And I'm never will be a quitter in anything I do. So yeah, I was like, well, I'll get that done, you know, and I still remember that time and that sadness and it still motivates me today. And then, like I said to you, when I come on, Robbie, that going to the Mini Tour was a big exposure to me at my time in my career. I wasn't, you know, the best golfer, just someone that was completely obsessed with the game and trying to improve that exposure to like 
you know, Zayn still playing at the time, Josh White. And like even to the point like Darren Clark, Matt Fitzpatrick played a few times. And you look like you get that, like how do they work and those sort of things. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm quite, I learn by observing quite a lot. And you observe those people and what they do and their demeanor, attitude. I still remember vividly, like, actually, Zaintain, like, any, even like mini tour golfer is, for me, and I agree with him, is a better player in a better state than an elite amateur because they've got more on the line. There's more meaning as an as a mini tour golfer than there is an elite amateur playing for status. Like as an elite amateur, you can't lose your status; it's impossible. Mm. Whereas you know, like mini tour golfers, they're they're there. You know, the blood, sweat, and tears are on on the line, and they're putting everything into it. Being exposed to that was huge, and then that kind of started it. And same being very influential in my career um, kind of helped me massively technically um, and like open my eyes to that side of things, and then. Just, yeah, the people you meet along the way, you know, time you spend with people. Uh, Michael Campbell, when I see his academy and what he taught me. And I just look back at moments where I think, would I be here without them? Probably not. People think the journey to go from, you know, being a club golfer to be a tour winner is is all down to talent, but there's so many more parts to it. And being around the right people. And as you said there about, you know, seeing Michael Campbell, spending time, I remember, you know, you're talking about how, uh, how he would, Show a lot of confidence with his chipping and so forth, and the, and the little the small playing ways he would give you about he would talk about. I, mean, I remember you telling me, and then him saying it when he came out to the Middle East, and he was like, "A chip is just like a little flick, just a flick of the wrists." And you think, well, you know, there's so many technical pieces to to short game and to golf. Then you got U.S. Open winner saying this is how he's done it, and then you get to observe <laughs> Darren Clark, uh, like Matt Fitzpatrick there, like. And just, seeing how people actually do it because there's so much stuff as, as golfers as we all do consume through social media whether it be uh, uh, magazines you know li- little pieces but actually getting to be in around those top golfers and actually see what do they actually do there's so much to be to be had from that and I'm sure back out at DP World Champs next week and, and Robbie we walk into courses and he'll be observing every little piece of every good player <laughs> game. <laughs> you know what, Todd? Actually, it showed a lot of um, ability. You know, when they say like players' willingness to get outside their comfort zone when you were young, to go to the Middle East and pit yourself as an amateur against some of these kind of much more established guys, because it's not an inexpensive thing either to play Minotaur golf. There was some, a lot of expenses attached to it. To come out and do that. It's really heartening to hear you say that it's been a big part of your development. Yeah, I think the Middle East will have always have a special place for me. I love coming to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, you know, Jordan, Oman. I've had some unbelievable memories that I'll never ever forget. And I think I still think today, like my most enjoyable days were playing the Mina Tour. Like being a DB World Tour player is amazing, something I dreamed of. But it's got some high demands. It's got some high pressures. It's you know, it's relentless. You know. It, it's a dog eat dog world out here and it's been yeah been eye-opening to see like when you watch the best players in the world now and what they do and what they kind of how they work is quite eye-opening and quite a difference between and you can really differentiate who i believe is going to be someone's going to be a great player and how they behave and their demeanor to like you know players that don't what's been the most challenging part about it todd you did reference that it's been your first year full year on the dp world tour You've obviously got the win. There's been some amazing highs. What what's been the the hardest thing to adjust to? A couple of things really, Rob. Like being openly and honest, um, managing expectation 
you know, I've come from a challenge tour. I felt like I was one of the best players there. You know, I picked it up every week thinking, well, there's only 20 people that can even try and beat me, really. Whereas you come out here and you're kind of a bit of imposter syndrome. Um, you know, do I fit in? Do I? Am I worthy of being here? And just kind of that side of things. Um, and obviously then that going with, you know, course knowledge, um, adjusting to travel. You know, I've been to every nearly every continent in the world this year playing back-to-back tournaments and um yeah but like putting those two together and like kind of a few different parts of my life you know my i changed manager at the start of the year through a few a few different things quite an unsettled year at definitely in the first six months so yeah there's been a lot of learning but obviously some memories that i'll never forget what's been the main change between change or difference between playing on the challenge tour and playing on the main tour now you kind of referenced there like you know expectation was one part of it but what like you know like the day-to-day week to week you know having come through and played every other tour what are the things that you've experienced this year that you know we can all see the players are better and so forth but personally what's been the best part um well i mean the tournaments they are in terms of the organization the atmosphere like the buzz of the tournaments is yeah brilliant being fortunate to play like the Desert Classic, you've got some really big tournaments that are actually enjoyable. You know, it's not a battle. It's just, yeah. There's, and you, to be honest, you like, if I'll be brutally honest, you like spoiled kids out here. You know, everyone's here to do, to work for you. And, you know, everything's done. Everything's taken care of, you know, in terms of, you don't have to think. There's, you know, we flew here to South Africa, you know, courtesy car here. Cars are waiting outside to take you wherever you want, which restaurant. And you don't have to think. And if you do have a problem, there's someone within five yards that will sort that problem in a way that's a nice thing to start with. But I think there's that side of it. And and then there's you kind of the exposure to better players and things like that. That's probably been something that I've really enjoyed, like watching and observing some of the best players in the world. Who's been the yeah, best player you played alongside this year? Well, yeah, interesting, really. Someone that goes really under the radar, I think, Roman Lagasse. He shot 63 at Marco Simone. And I don't think I'll ever see a better round of golf in my life. He didn't miss a shot for 18 holes. I actually remember saying to my caddy at the time, I was like, this has actually been enjoyable to watch. (laughs) And I'm playing, I'm like, I'm quite enjoying watching him play, (laughs) being inside the ropes, experiencing it. That is great insight. I've only stood here a long time trying to come up with that name, Todd. Ludwig Aberg, everyone is raving about him. Have you you seen him up close? How impressive is he? I played the whole 18 holes on Saturday in Prague with Ludwig. Um, Really, firstly, and I always judge it, he's a really nice human being you know no big ego just a really nice guy that's really really good at golf and yeah I can see the noise behind it all if I'm being brutally honest he's hit some shots out there in Prague that I was like it's an interesting thing and like being again a quite high observer there's a few shots you know that I think not that many people in the world can play and he hit a few out there and I thought if he can keep doing that he's going to be a special 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 player to the point like I won't forget it on on the Saturday he's hit driver on uh, on 17 and he's hit this six iron into the wind from about 200 yards and like I'll never forget it really in terms of it was it went so high and so straight into the wind that I was like wow because that's as golfers that's the hardest thing because once you bit side spin it's gone and it was quite a strong breeze he's hit six iron and it was like so neutral I was like he probably stood there thinking, that, is that left or right of the flag? It pitched one foot short, lipped out and just tapped it. He just walked up and tapped it in. And I thought that was one of the best shots I've ever seen. Yeah, he's got a future. It was unbelievable. It's to say. <laughs> oh. He's got a chance. He's got a chance. 
Yeah, interesting that you said, Todd, about like how well looked after you guys are. I suppose it's you know it's it's what we always talk about with with young footballers, isn't it? You know, like they they get a they get a contract, they get you know their first big paycheck, they get a good weekly salary, and the the lifestyle kind of corrupts their competitive drive. I guess for you, it's about almost being mindful of that. And also remembering here, I'm, I can't, you know, allow myself to fall into this very pampered, very luxurious lifestyle that, that exists out there on tour. No, and I totally agree. You know, that's something that I speak to my psychologist about quite often. Something that's like really been life changing in, in across my whole, not just golf, but everything that I've really taken a kind of keen eye on like stoicism and a bit of research and depth into that and, and I think that's been a big part of a human growth in myself and, and it's helped massively on the golf course and, you know, the gratitude and putting your life into perspective. And and like I say, I think where there's players out here that have played it out here for a long time, really, you know, tour veterans. And you can kind of really notice that they've been quite spoiled. And, you know, <laughs> I've seen a couple go drop back down into the challenge tour and they're like, they're, they're kind of a bit lost if you're being the truth. Some people wouldn't necessarily, necessarily know, I don't know if we'll get to this at some point, but so your girlfriend is uh, a very good golfer herself, Olivia Cowan, and she had a she had a pretty good season this year, right? Uh, did well at the yeah. Walton Heath in the Open Championship, uh, and you were there. I mean, I haven't actually asked you personally, but does like does seeing her play well have any bearing on you know? Because I know because look, look, Robbie, uh, Todd is a competitive competitive <laughs> man. I'm sure that you wouldn't just be well, sitting around watching someone else play well. I've got the stats here. They've both got four professional wins and they've both got one main tour win. Olivia's got an LET win and, and Todd has a DP World Tour win. I'm sure there's some conversation about who's going to get the second one. First. Does that ever come up? Um, you know, it's a funny thing. Like, yeah, we are obviously both competitive. Um, I mean, ultra, I'm myself ultra competitive. But yeah, it's quite a weird thing in terms of like watching Olivia again it all kind of aligned it was quite weird really like Olivia I've obviously watched for the last number of years and what she does and how she goes about it and yeah there's some things that I do take away from it that I think wow um, and then the, you know what she did at Warren Heath um, ninth in the major championship she backed up the week after at Galgorm and where she finished fifth and a few things in what she does um, definitely helped, you know, like a really very, very relaxed view. You're both really good golfers, tour winners. I would say you're, you're very, almost polar opposite in how you go about things in your golf. Is there any like part of watching her play golf that, that feeds into your golf? Olivia's view and thoughts on her golf is like she needs to play when she's happy. Comes really easy to her, ultra talented, quite lucky in terms of her but like technique is quite sound and like we have conversations about it and it blows my mind whereas you know I'm the opposite like if I hit a bad shot out of the course like I'd want to know why and how do I stop that ever happening again and yeah we have complete polar opposites and I think I take what I take away from Olivia is like she plays in such a relaxed state it's so refreshing I think now it's, she's played for that in that mindset for so long that she couldn't go away from that because I think it would really affect her whereas like I you know complete opposite end of the spectrum like want to know nuts and bolts of what I'm doing and striving to be better and things like that that I actually go too far and too intense care too much try too hard so like you know when I watched her at Walton Heath and took it as she comes and it's like an interesting story we had a conversation the other day and it, it just blows my mind but for me personally but like 
I said to her, I've been hitting a few hooks. And she's like, oh, all right. Well, if you know, if you checked your grip or, you know, the ba- real basics that she comes out with. And she's like, well, why don't you just uh, open the club face? <laughs> and I was like, well, I wish it was that easy. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, if that was me, I'd just open it up. And if it was going too well, I'd just turn up the next day and I'm sure it'd be better. <laughs> that just blows my mind. It's funny because like uh, a few years ago, you both came down uh, to hit, hit some balls down at the academy. And and Tom would come in hit balls and you know everything is everything I say I know that there'll be a question of like why is that and what makes that happen you know and it would, and you work through it and it, oh, you get every little piece out of it and I think Olivia's kind of sat at the back you know it's on her phone you know, while while we're going through it and then and then Tom to to do you want to hit some balls and she's like uh, yeah right cool and she come she you know stands in front of me hits a few balls and I go to her like how's that and she's like chugs her shoulders like yes yeah, yeah it's good. Then, then it was like maybe you should try this and this, and she'd like try that, and she'd hit a couple of nice shots and go, "How's that feeling?" She goes, "Yeah, it's cool." And it's, it's interesting from a coach's point of view seeing two top golfers just approach the game in, in both completely different manners. And you know, there's not it just shows you there's not one way of doing it. And as you said, Todd, like it's great to know all the nuts and bolts, but but is is part of what you're doing now is learning when to go. You know what? There's a time and a place for nuts and bolts, and there's a time and a place for like just just go out and play and just sometimes accept what is happening it's happening and just if you're hooking it just open the place <laughs> yeah I think again and that's the big thing I've noticed this year you've got to just find your formula now, I've watched Jorge Campillo be an absolute phenomenal golfer and would be in a spectrum with Olivia you know like all he cares about is drawing it just make sure I draw it and could have a two hour lunch uh, you know and, and been brilliant I mean lost in the playoff last week um, one in the Kenyan Open, fantastic golfer. And then you've got other end of the spectrum of like um, Adrian Moronk, quite diligent, very, you know, methodical and kind of will be in the nuts and bolts of, of it. And it's, yeah, I, I find it interesting in, in terms of how that, and, you know, like I'll, you look here and watch Justin Thomas today. He's there and he's taking, he's got his GC quad out on the course and he's, you know, like measuring you know, is he going to play yards? Is he going to play meters? Like, incredible, like, you know, Justin Rose been being able to fortunately spend a, and talk to him about a couple of things and the diligence that, that Justin Rose has gone into is just mind-blowing in terms of, you know, he knows a millimetre of shoes that he needs to wear for his optimal performance and, you know, toe to heel drop. And I would say I would be in Justin's show, shoes, you know, like it's been, you know, he'd have the hats handmade and just so they're the right fit so there's no pressure and just incredible. The diligence that these athletes go to is mind-blowing we spent about two hours discussing all of these data points ahead of the Ryder Cup and how they would mesh with like foursomes pairings and then Tommy Fleetwood just uh, in an interview said oh yeah we play the same make of ball so uh, it seemed like a good idea that we would play together when referring to Rory McIlroy and he's obviously in the in the kind of um Jorge Campillo, Olivia Cowan camp, where I think Tommy's quite a technical player, but I think he's also quite a... He likes to go with the flow. He likes his game to be able to flow when he's out on the course. And I'm keen to know, Todd, from you, like how how detailed do you get when it comes to analysing your stats? Because golf has become a very data-driven sport at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, data's huge out here. The Ryder Cup team was nearly picked on it. To answer your question, Robbie, I, I, James Wilson from Up Game, he's a member of my team. And I use that platform and kind of let him do that, dissect that all. Um, and then he kind of dilutes that, all the sections into my other members of my team, like Todd, these parts of areas that I need to improve and what I'm doing well. And 
I kind of like take a back seat. Like my view is like I look at it as a kind of like a Formula you're a Formula One driver. Like I just want to drive the car. Every, everyone else comes in and sits and makes the car basically, you know, try and perform at the optimum level. Um, and that's just how I view it. You know, you've got a data analyst, you've got a golf coach, you've got a putting coach, you've got a short game coach, I've got a psychologist, I've got, you know, a manager. And all these guys are, you know, ch- trying to bring them all, you know, physical trainer and Rob. It's like, I've got all these people sat behind me that they're all dragged in for these elements that, you know, they're when they're required. I guess those guys are talking amongst themselves and then kind of feeding that back to you in terms of this is what you need to potentially be working on to try and just fine tune that particular part of your game. Is is that is that an accurate description of it? Totally, yeah. Like in terms of, I mean, this state has gone so much now into the game of golf that, you know, every week I'm getting like a, we get like a report on, on the course, what and the formula that I need to perform and have a chance to win. And their bank this week, I've, I've got to, you know, if I'm in 80% of the fairways, if from seven, you know, from seven to 13 feet is an optimal point, uh, putting like kind of st- statistics, you've got to be, you know, 50, 60% of that. Green, greens and regulation percentage. So you've got all of these things that, you know, the data that can go so high into it now with the pin, pin locations and the wins from many, <clears throat> many other times I visited here. You can even like you know get all those things and allocate that into your preparation. For me, that's the little bit that I take from it in terms of just let give me three or four things that week that I need to focus on, and my whole team works behind in the background, and you know they have a group chat without me in it and things like that. When you're so out on t- the golf course, Todd, do you like to clear your mind of everything and just see the shot? I try to be a blank canvas, really, in terms of like obviously knowing these numbers and things like that. But golf's not that straightforward. It probably is the hardest game in the world. And I just try to play a blank canvas, you know, see the shots, hit it. That, that's kind of like how I play play the game, really. My I don't have a yardage book anymore. Um, so I just, you know, my caddy, again, put, puts a bit, bit of emphasis on that in terms of, again, he's working, he's, you know, he comes in, he's, he's there to do his job. It's like, for me, I look at it, it's like if I was a CEO of a different company, I'd get an accountant in. That's my caddy, like, that's his job. But all these moving parts and you're basically just trying to make it run and perform it best way it can and then this week Todd have you crunched the numbers what, what do you need to do this week my team have basically said it, I think top four probably but top it four. depends on if it was like a tied fourth or so really a top three I think would no, definitely seal the deal that doesn't change your approach though fundamentally you'll still approach it just as you would any other tournament yeah I think like you've got, I've got my things I'm working on in my game um, and then trying to fit that into um, like my preparation you know like my driver's been a bit up and down the last few weeks so I've had a session with the guys at Titleist like accuracy is a really big thing here and I'm going to hit a lot of drivers in Sun City higher driver percentage between 5, 6, 7 and 8 they're going to be a higher number of shots you hit with it and then kind of the greens are small so pace control is not really that big a thing compared to Qatar last week where they're ginormous One of the big things that doesn't show up on the on the statistics is that by coming onto the Verti podcasts, your probability of winning goes goes way way up. You know the, the the type of players we get on here. You know there's something you can't account for. They don't that doesn't show up in the numbers, Todd. No, no. It's uh, I, I obviously been, been noticing everyone that's come on here, and um, there's been some good successes. Yeah. So hopefully, it's one of the I'm, intangibles. Fit the mold. <laughs> but someone's caught on. They finally realise this is where they need to be on a Tuesday, We're- Wednesday, prepping for an event on the cans of us I just want to quickly actually just get your thoughts on the uh, the TGL League as a young player on the DP World Tour 
what have you made of that? And we're just starting to see the first kind of drip feeding of social media content this week with Rory's team, Boston Common Golf. Are you intrigued by it? Is this something that you as a golf fan are, are going to be tuning into? Yeah, I think I think I will be. Um, obviously, I'm a complete, really big golf fan. I still watch it. I still watch PGA Tour, you know, at all, all levels. And I think the TGL is going to have a really good place for golf, I think, in, in, if they can get it right. Um, obviously, brand new. But, you know, like I've got the concept from a few of the guys today that they, anything, they're going to hit simulator golf, anything up to 40 yards. Mm. And then 40 yards and in, it's going to be basically playing to an artificial green and playing, putting out. And I think like with a stadium and, and a bit of noise and a bit of atmosphere, I think golf, you know, I, I always believe that it needs to still provide and attract a younger generation. Um, you know, I still think it's a high-end sport. It's too expensive. That's just my view. I think it's not inclusive enough to to everyone. And I think like if they can bridge these gaps in terms of like getting the younger audience in, making it look fun, making it look enjoyable, something closer to, you know, like a stadium sport like football or, you know, NFL and things like that, it should hopefully drive the game in a in a positive manner. Yeah, well said. It's going to be an interesting year, Todd, I think for golf in general, as all of this sort of fractured world comes together. But we'll, uh, we'll obviously, uh, we'll wait to see what happens on that front. We wish you the very best of luck this week in South Africa. Congratulations on an awesome first season on the DP World Tour. We're following your progress every step of the way. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure coming on. And like you say, I think for the game of golf, it's going to be an interesting time. I um, hope as a golf fan, first and foremost, that all sorts itself out and we can all be on back on the same page not the turmoil we've seen the last few years so yeah hopefully that all goes the right way and it all keeps moving the needle in the right direction because as first and foremost a golf fan that plays golf it needs to happen in my view so yeah thank you for having me on it's been an absolute pleasure and look forward to catching up in the middle east Big thanks to Todd for joining us on the podcast. Really looking forward to following his progress into 2024. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We're going to be back next week to preview the DP World Tour season finale in full and hopefully catch up with some big names as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe and you can leave us a review. We'd very much appreciate that. We're going to catch you next time. It's goodbye for now. The First Tea. 